right, we're up. We are up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Dirtbag Nation, ladies and boys, or ladies and boys, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys. Yeah, I'm already flustered. I'm already uh, psyched out of my mind for the developments that have happened, not only for this week, but specifically the last 48 hours. Now, uh, I know uh, the audio and video kind of cut us a little bit short regarding the news uh, that came down as far as the Giants acquiring Carlos Correa, but I think we should probably just start there. Um, yeah, so before I get into it, obviously, going to the Mets for, I want to say, at least 11 years, uh, blowing up the entire Twitter sphere, Giants fans on suicide watch now. Um, reportedly, it was a 12-year deal, but I'm hearing now that it's an actual actual 11 year deal for 315 so still getting paid still getting the brinks truck um but before i well i'm still going to get into it but before i get on my track uh as far as the met signing him basically uh what i was getting at last pod was the fact that again kind of to reiterate it didn't make a lot of sense for the giants to devote that much money towards one specific player when they had so many other glaring holes in their lineup. Now, granted, they have made a couple of acquisitions since, you know, since the start of free agency, but just to basically put all the chips on one player, as good as he is, as long as they'll, you know, like I said, with that first half, at least guaranteed first half of, of the contract getting, you know, all of his prime years and, you know, that second half kind of leaning into the him starting to fall off would still be a very serviceable shortstop. Um, yeah, again, the main the main thought was it it didn't really make sense for the position they're in being 18th overall in farm system, not really having that much coming up in the future, at least not, you know, that we're aware of. Obviously, you can still trade for picks, you know, in the coming years things of that nature. So basically my whole mindset of that was it didn't make sense on paper for them to make that big of a splash when they didn't really have anything to complement that. However, now that all, all is said and done, failing the physical and falling right into the lap of the New York Mets, how much more does this make the Mets I don't want to say the clear-cut favorite, but how much more does this boost their chances to walk away with not only the NL pennant, but possibly a commissioner's trophy at the end of 23? We're expecting them. After the Carlos Red steal from the Giants, we are absolutely expecting them to be in the World Series and Kind of win the win the whole thing with the signings in the entire uh, free agency so far, and the you know twenty twenty two is about to wrap up. Mm -hmm. We still there's still time on the block left for people to get signed. Yeah, there's still a couple. Yeah, and there's still a couple names that need to be signed, but the Mets. Yeah, Rea to an already strong infield. It, this is because now that you can't ban the shift, now that you can't shift against hitters, 
this is why you get a guy like Correa, and I believe they're going to play him at third. Um, I think that makes the most sense. Retrospectively, if you're the Giants, you are the ultimate losers of free agency thus far. Back-to-back biggest L's, two of the biggest signings that you possibly could have, you know, for any one team, and you walk away with goose egg. I mean, you walk away with some signings, but as far as the two potential biggest stars of this free agency and to walk away empty-handed with neither of them. And mind you, with this, the four, I saw this on, um, I think this was from BR Walkoff. So the four biggest free agent shortstops, Correa, Turner, Bogarts, and now Dansby Swanson, obviously going to the Cubs, uh, signed a total of $1.107 billion. So among four shortstops. So that that shows you teams, other teams are all in. So to, to walk away with nothing really, I mean, to put that much money forward initially and to walk away empty-handed, I mean, that's got to feel like a, like a slap in the face. The front office was more than willing to be, you know, considered in that number, that final number. But to walk away empty-handed, I mean... Again, Giants fans on suicide watch, basically. Blue light specials, for sure. Um, Health and wellness checks for everyone. <laughs> Undoubtedly, because, you know, just like you said, missing out on judging Correa hurts the organization long term because you have so many holes that you need to fill as San Fran before you can even think about putting together a ring team. Yeah. You don't have the base for a ring team. No, you can't even be competitive within your own division. I mean, you look at, of course, the powerhouse Dodgers. Padres have had to basically do a complete 180, you know, obviously where the Giants are now, they had to do that whole 180 just to even be in the Dodgers stratosphere. And obviously they knocked them out of a, you know, the DS and whatnot. But even with the Padres themselves, they've been shuffling around. I know they've made a couple of signs. They've obviously let a couple players go. Uh, more specifically, Will Myers now signing with the Reds, uh, but also signing Matt Carpenter. So, you know, kind of a little, I don't want to say one for one, but they're they're reshuffling the deck in their own right. So that that just goes to show you even with all the money that they've been pouring in to their franchise over the last, we'll just say three, four, five years, they still have a couple of steps, you know, to, uh, to make up in order to be that perennial power. So we had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, but what I was saying was they had to do a couple of, of reshufflings just to even be, just to keep staying relevant, obviously sending Brandon Drury as well to the Angels. Um, so there's still that shuffling, if you want to say, still trying to get their uh, feet underneath them, even though you could argue this was their best season yet. You know, even if the record, uh, I can't remember the overall record, even if it wasn't a 90 win, even if they were barely knocking on the door of a 90 win uh, season, so arguably arguably would be their best season in recent recent uh history at least with this you know this current lineup as it stands or 
simulate, you know, simulate semblance of uh, what they currently have. But again, same thing. They have to shuffle a couple cards around just to stay up with the rest of the National League West. I mean, it's not going to be easy, even though you're technically second place. I mean, the Giants have so much more room to make up. I mean, you're basically in, again, Rockies, Diamondbacks territory, where you're just going to be basement dwelling for the next, you know, at least half of the decade, you know, basically going up until 2030, unless you make an immediate correcting of the ship. And I get, I mean, I, I don't want to be too long-winded about Rhea mishap, but I get that that was supposed to be your flagship, like, hey, this is our big splash to finally start turning things around, but I would much rather see a sum of smaller parts rather than, you know, you got a bunch of holes in the ship. Oh, I just took care of this one hole. Like, yeah, even if it's the biggest hole, you still have a dozen other, you know, small, smaller, you know, holes that you still need to take care of. I'm glad you made the attempt, but there's so much more that you need to take care of before you can really consider yourself in the clear. What? does not solve your problems if you're San Francisco. Say again? Uh, if you're San Francisco, uh, one long-term deal, what Correa was supposed to be, that doesn't do enough. No. He could be three years younger, still be prime. I mean, he still is prime, but you know what I mean? They could have had him you know, coming straight off the 2017 ring. And even if you would have somehow plugged him into that 106 win Giants team, he wouldn't have been the end-all be-all, even in their bet, even in the best situation. That overall lineup just needs so much work. And especially, like I said, considering you have to leapfrog the Giants, or the Giants, you have to leapfrog the Padres and the Dodgers just within your own division, that's not even counting the rest of the National League as a whole. I mean, you look at the Mets now, what they're doing just to top, obviously the Phillies are still going to be relevant, even the the Braves, even though they obviously lost Dan, Dansby Swanson, they're still going to be in the picture. You can't discount them. You know, you have, I mean, the Cardinals, same deal. I mean, you have at least five other teams that you're going to have to leapfrog before you would even consider yourself to be a favorite. That's just, you know, that league. You're not even going to talk about the Astros, you know, the Yankees, you know, on the American League side, just to name, I mean, obviously the Mariners. I mean, just for a few, just to name a few. So if, if you're in that bottom half, I mean, even the Orioles, we'll say even the Orioles, you know, they have a better chance of, of making that next step. So just to even be in the general conversation i mean you, you basically have to take yourself out of that bottom half you know basement dwelling at least play consistently over 500 ball i mean we're at best you're a wild card team at best we're not we're not going to see another 100 win i mean honestly that was a fluke i mean not to discredit the team. they got the wins when it mattered and you know but at the same time you can't expect that that kind of consistency So I think I think I think I'm done with my Korea rant. It's just that really kind of exposed me to 
damn, the Giants must be hurting. Like, but it kind of made me think of, well, what other teams, even if they were in on him, okay, they made an offer, but they're still fine without him. Like, there's a lot of teams out there that, yeah, they would have loved to have him, but they're still okay. They're still top half, top 10, whatever, and they'll be fine. But with him on the Mets, oh, man. Does this, like, again, does this make them the favorite? Um, I talked to Tyler, too, earlier, and he said, okay, they have 10 years to, to win at least two rings. That that has to be at least the standard, at least two. And I said, fine, I'll give them to until 2030, what did I say, 34, 35. So I'm like, okay, I'll even give them this year, this upcoming year, it's kind of a buffer year, but they basically have 10 years to at least win two rings, whether that's one now, one on the back end, back to back, whatever, whatever. But as the team is currently assembled, for the amount of money, you're talking almost 400 million plus an extra 100 million in luxury tax. I mean, and obviously, you know, Steve Cohen is no no slouch about spending the money, but you need to see trophies in the cases at the end of all this, or else you'll just be basically the laughing stock how everybody loves to say for the Dodgers oh you loved you you're buying you're buying championships same with the Yankees or you're just trying to buy rings but look what both teams have to show for it LA has won and a lot of first round you know late round exits Yankees obviously same deal got swept have a lot of their DS maybe a CS appearance and have nothing really to show for it so are you going to be next in line or are you going to be the one to you know, as far as New York is concerned, to, to break that and and make repeat or consecutive, whatever, multiple appearances and multiple series wins. If there was ever a time for the Mets to establish any sort of dynastic momentum, it's now. Two rings, 10 years, I like that, those figures. Realistically, You've got to get one inside the first five, right? That has to happen. But along the way in that five years, you're consistently making the CS and winning and going to the ship. You, you know, you you are you're winning the fucking league pennant, you're going to the ship. That's just that's how much silverware has to be in the trophy case because you're right in the respect that this deal is going to be measured in silverware. How much, how many trophies can they put inside their stadium? That, that's all it's going to come down to. Banners are going to be the biggest thing. And if you don't have banners, and not just participation banners, I mean like at least championship series. If you're going to talk about participation banners, fine, at least World Series participation banners. Like, Nobody's going to be kind of like this year. Nobody's going to be happy with, oh, shit, we got 100, 100 wins, but we got dog smacked out of the division series like or wild card. We didn't even we didn't even really see October baseball like nobody. Man, that's the biggest way to get the pitchforks, pitchforks and torches out like there is absolutely no way that that is going to be OK. Especially what, with the rhetoric lately. What does Madison do if that happens to them again? If Atlanta or someone else finds a way 
to, at the very last series of the season, pipe New York to the title. And then get in. Right? And just, be, I mean, nobody saw that. I mean, you could say arguably, like, for the Braves, they had a chip on their shoulder, and rightfully so, to prove, like, hey, last year was in a fluke. We rightfully deserved that ring even sub 90 wins. And obviously it came down to literally the last three days of the season. So it, it very much could be a possibility. And this is minus, um, minus Freddie Freeman, you know, franchise name, franchise player, and they were able to do it without your face of the franchise. So how much more now that they have, uh, I don't want to say blood in the water necessarily, but knowing that, Hey, Philly's on the rise too. Like it's not, you know, they'll still have that chip on the shoulder just in a different means, but it's not going to be just a cakewalk for the Mets. Like it, it's, it, I think it's just keeping that perspective that, Hey, this happened once it can easily happen again. Now that there's another kid on the block, it's not just a one-on-one. There's two kids on the block that want to beat my ass. So I got to be on my toes. It, it starts it starts with staying focused early. I mean, I know a lot of the time April and May are kind of just the throwaways. Nobody really starts getting serious until June, you know, July all-star. And then all of a sudden, you know, the second half is a different beast, but it's really going to have to take staying focused or getting focused early and staying focused. I mean, you can't, you can't afford to be lazy even in the first week of, of baseball. You, you just can't not with the way that division is starting to shape up. I mean, sure, Nationals aren't going to do shit. You can't really, you know, fine. At least you you can kind of figure those will be guaranteed wins, but it'll be the same for when they play the Phillies and, you know, the Mets, when the Nationals go, you know, they're playing them this almost the same amount. So it's not like they're just exclusively going to be wins for you. They're going to be wins for the other team. So it really is going to be staying focused early and, just keeping your foot on the gas, keeping your foot on, on the necks of, you know, your division, specifically your division rivals. But even when you we talk about interleague play and this coming year, every team is going to play everybody else. So there's going to be more than enough opportunities for you to see what you're made of, not only within your division, not only within your own league, but across you know across the way you're talking about percent potential series matchups or division whatever have you so i think this will be the especially this specific season will be the greatest testament to the metal like what you're actually made of as as a group so they got to stay on it they got to stay on it early and consistently it's even one series as we've seen one series slip up even in July, even in August, can can end up fucking you over when it comes time for October. And that's such a good point in the respect that Philly and Atlanta and these kids on the block headhunting for you if you are the Mets. You are not going to have an easy stretch in this by any means. And this is going to be a dogfight, but we've got a great Mexican standoff between those three right and that's really what it's going to come down to is Atlanta wanting to demonstrate that hey we aren't a fluke we aren't just a flunky we do deserve to be here we are this perennial club that we've been uh Philadelphia they're finally the Phillies organization has finally said we want to fucking win some fucking rings 
and they've spent money to do it. And the same can be said for the Mets. And I feel like we've just been talking about these couple teams the last couple pods, but they've been the ones making the moves. They've yeah. been the ones who are a part of the 23 conversation. In it's the fact that the East has never been more competitive. Yeah. It used to be the laughing stock. I mean, Met's gonna met. Obviously, you knew the Nationals coming off the 19 ring fell off hard you knew the Braves I mean it always seemed like they were a year away obviously they've been relevant since well we'll even say 2015 we'll say for the last seven years they've always been one year away we're just either it was their youth the inexperience combination of of whatever just kind of kept them out or just running into obviously powerhouse Dodgers you know the Cardinals knocking somebody out you know just one of those other premier national league teams knocking out, you know, either one of these teams, the Phillies, same thing, kind of being in that rut, starting to build themselves back up. But now you literally have three of those teams very much in the conversation. It's a great time to be an NL East, you know, team fan of what, whatever, wherever your flag flies. But at, at no point has it been as tight as it is where each team can easily take, you know, pick off wins from each other you know, to to have at least a 90-win team. I mean, again, we're looking at last year at the freaking Braves and Mets, both of them 100-plus wins, cherry-picking off each other, just sniping wins off, off one another. Crazy. If you would have told me this two, three years ago, I'd be like, no, the Braves. It's going to be the Braves. Nope, the Mets are up. Phillies are up. Like, wow. Especially, you know, talking about 19. Like, well, the Nationals just won. So why aren't they in the like? I wouldn't have believed that the the power vacuum has shifted drastically. So if you're the Mets, again, yeah, keep your head on a swivel. These kids are head hunting for you, and they're not going to take it lightly. They know there's some blood in the water. They know they can, you know, obviously you can get upset in a wild card series, division series, championship series, whatever have you. There's no guarantee. There really isn't, you know, no guarantees at all. So while we're kind of talking on free agents, um, it was the Reds. You mentioned that they picked up Myers uh, on a one-year. Mm-hmm. Is that going to – I know he batted, what, 216, 276. Mm-hmm. It's mixed up. But is Myers going to be able to help the Reds do better than the they were last season? I think so. I think he did have a down year, but I feel, I mean, I can't remember his, his exact tenure with the Padres. Actually, let me look this up. Let me just make sure I, I have this. Cause I, I want to say he had been with that organization for quite some time. So he was one of the more, uh, what's the word? Like he was one of the more, I don't want to say premier, but just longstanding tenured. Let's see. He was with San Diego from 2015. So with Tampa Bay for 13 and 14 and then San Diego from 2015 up. So seven years definitely was there before their rise, obviously saw a lot of the lows. So he, he, uh, at least from the national league West perspective was one of those staples in that lineup, obviously bringing out Machado, Tati, Soto, Bell, you know, all the, the higher end teams definitely put him in the shadows, but I think his, 
his experience and in, in not that he was the cornerstone in that respect, but knowing full well the kind of grind that it takes to come from the bottom to be a premier, you know, in a premier position or at least a more competitive position, uh, especially just some postseason experience, I think is gonna is gonna help. Just that clubhouse presence, even if you're not talking about his actual stats, just just the presence alone, just the attitude that he can bring. And I know they they definitely are going to need it. I mean, you're talking about a historically bad. Red team. I mean, it's, it's, you can't really go wrong. It's only going to, it's only going to be up from here. I would like to think, I mean, they could still have a hundred loss, a hundred losses, but I mean, you would like to think that it's only up from here and adding, adding that kind of presence to a clubhouse. I would like to think uh, pays dividends, at least for the culture shift. So, other guys were capable just going to bond signing with the Padres. Um, with with Carpenter and the Padres, does that does that test? Because I don't, I don't think they needed him. No, I think it's more of a DH, serviceable bat, you know, long-standing veteran presence. Oh, and for uh, for Myers, it was a two sixty-one average, the one point two WAR. So even, you know, you would like to think he's still going to add some value to the Reds. I mean, like again, the sure. goal was up. But as far as Carpenter, yeah, I really think it's just adding that veteran presence. I mean, you're just trying to fill in some holes that you let. You know, you let some people go. Um, just basically back to that reshuffling of the lineup a little bit just to see if, you know, you have your core pieces and then you're just trying to add on here, there, you know, and somewhere uh, else. Kind of see what, what bringing in an old head. Yeah, someone who's been around the block obviously has had rings with the with the Cardinals. You know, somebody who knows who's who knows what it takes, especially over the length of a season you know, in order to finish strong. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, they, they they could do worse, but I think it's just one of those things, again, you're just supplementing. I don't think they're really expecting him to do, to do a whole lot. I mean, I was actually more confused with the Yankees, but then again, he wasn't an everyday player either. But when he was, when he was in and he was on, you know, before those injuries, he was on. So, you know, if it works for you, you know, when it works for you, hey, it'll work for you. So, yeah. So, does in Boston make? I think Boston needs any help of you know that they can get, but you're kind of expecting him to come in and produce, right? If yeah, you're absolutely, I mean, talking about a premier, at least top 10 third baseman, two years, 22 mil. I mean, 11 mil a year, very team friendly. Obviously, for Turner, you know, he can find he can find a home. I don't want to say anywhere. There's definitely certain teams that probably are set. Obviously, don't need don't need him, but he could be serviceable anywhere. So I think it is a good pickup for the Red Sox in that respect. Where it's obviously the money wise, you're not spending a bunch, but you know, again, same thing. If you're just getting him for his defense, cool. You know, and you're not expecting, I mean, you would hope that his bat is there as well, but 
uh, you can kind of afford to rely more on the defensive side because there's not really much in that lineup that's going to make you jump out of your seat as far as offense offense is going. So, you know, it's kind of like the same deal with Carpenter. Like, cool, you'll get that veteran presence. Uh, obviously, nine years with the Dodgers, a couple of years with the with the Orioles. So, you know, it's basically if it works for you, cool, it'll very much work for you. And if it doesn't, still low risk, two years, twenty two million. You're not you're not crazy on the hook for that. Um, but yeah, say again. Oh shit! You know what? I didn't even realize he was on the Mets for for a few years either. Sorry about that. Yeah, we had some. Uh having a little bit of technical difficulties, but I was saying I didn't realize he was on the Mets too. So he was drafted by Baltimore, went to the Mets in 2010, went back to Baltimore, I guess for the other half of 2010, then went back to the Mets from 2011 to 13. And then obviously after that was on the Dodgers up until then, but it has him at 289 career average. I mean, let's see how many, about 1300 hits, 650 runs, 663 on RBI, you know, so not not a bad career. I mean, again, if, if the Red Sox can get any sort of production, I mean, it'll be better than nothing. Um, but what I was saying was, while I was leaning on the Orioles, I did find out an interesting fact. I mean, it's not really about free agency, but this is regarding Chris Davis. So basically, deferment of his contract a la Bobby Bonilla. So... And kind of what made me think about it was I was going to talk about Manny Ramirez too. He is deferred. So I think his is an, until 26 or something, 2026 or something. So something like that, like two mil every such, you know, so obviously he hasn't played for them since like forever ago. So to get that last little bit of change, Red Sox definitely are waiting, for, you know, can't wait for him to get off the books. But uh, regarding the Orioles and Chris Davis, uh, he is re- he's going to begin to receive his deferred payments in 2023. So this coming year, uh, it's going to be nine mil from 23 to 25, three and a half mil from 26 to 32, and then 1.4 from 2033 to 37. So dude's getting paid for at least another 15 years. Basically, and I didn't realize Manny was on that with the Red Sox either, which, I mean, makes sense because obviously they wanted to surround. And that, I feel like that kind of helped him with this last set, you know, last little bit of uh, of rings that they got, you know, as far as team friendly. But at the same time, I mean, now they're at that point where it's like, damn, we need money. I mean, they're obviously, I'm, you know, the nine, 10 mil or whatever he's getting every year isn't going to hurt them that much. But at the same time, they very much would love to have him off the damn book. So yeah, it's the same deal with the Orioles. I mean, obviously they're in a little bit better position than the uh than the Red Sox, but to to have that on the books, like uh, especially Chris Davis of all people, 
man. So I, I thought that that was kind of interesting. About the other day, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta mention this at one point because I'm sure even with some of these mega contracts, there's going to be certain deferments or obviously the extensions, what have you. Uh, other players, like it may not be as much down the road. I mean, Carlos Correa by 2027. Uh, you know, obviously the cost of living and stuff. $100 even in this day and age won't cost won't be as valued as much in like five or ten years. So, of course, you know he may at some point like, hey, let's renegotiate or let's defer, let's do this, let's do that. So uh, I'm not sure now. Now that with, with the Mets, I mean, he's probably just all because he knows freaking Steve Cohen is just you know the literal money tree. So I mean, I'm not sure. I that was interesting that. This might start being more of a, a consistent thing, especially with certain free agents or, you know, like in Justin Turner's case, like, hey, you know what? Even though it's technically for 22 million, just give me 2 million now and I'll defer 2 million for the next 10 years or whatever, you know? So I, I wouldn't I be wouldn't. this becomes more of a, a consistent thing. I mean, especially if you're, you already know your career is going to be only so long. So trying to extend that amount of money, less up upfront tax, if you will, even if it may be technically valued less, you know, down the line, two million ten years from now is is a lot better than, you know, six million now. So whatever, you know, however however you want to do that quick math. Yeah, I I just thought that that was an interesting little point that I wanted to bring up. So uh. I got nothing else. Feel free if you I guess, I mean, Judge getting the 16th captaincy in Yang's history. Right. How could I forget? We should have gone off on that, too. I mean, we can, but I I, I forgot yeah. to put that as a main point. Absolutely. It's Pass, very special. passing of the torch from Jeter to Judge. He's Mr. Yankee right now. He is definitely and all of the things to earn the captaincy. Now, as long he retains it, that's entirely up to him because that's the thing with such a prestigious honor, and there's a reason there's only been 16. There's not one every fucking season for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's his to lose, but it's such a, a badge of honor. As he joins... You know, Ruth, Gary, Hall of Fame names. You're talking about overall baseball royalty, not just, I mean, you you look at one one point, historic franchise, you're representing the Yankees, but then you look at the other half of it. No, this is across all of baseball. Like whether or not you love the Yankees or even care for them, you know who Lou Gehrig is. You know who Babe Ruth is. You know who Derek Jeter is. You know these names as overall baseball greats, baseball royalty up in, I'm not even going to say Mount Rushmore in that way. Like there could be 20 different faces of, of baseball Mount Rushmore, but they're there. Like if, if anybody's there, these dudes are up there. So to be even, I don't even want to say loosely, but just to be somewhat associated with that level, with that sort of prestigious, just, whatever however you want to put that just to even be in that conversation yeah absolutely 
his to lose, an amazing honor, well-deserved, like no doubt well-deserved, but it's up to him just what he puts as far as his legacy regarding that. You know, again, like you said, it's not like they just handed out, you know, even though in its own right, yeah, a Yankee captain would, even if they did name one, that still would be an honor, but the fact that it's so limited, it's so, the bar for it is so high yeah it it well deserved like i can't say that enough but yeah definitely he's gonna have to do something with that i think the only the only way he does doesn't do justice to it is if they don't bring a ring during his tenure which i think they will it's just you know he's gonna get at least one ring in his career but it's gonna be at least in this first half. It's not going to be in the second half of his contract. It's just not. He'll be too old. He'll be aged out. You know? Yeah. He, he, could, he could still be very amazing, very serviceable, but at, at basically DH, you know, at that point where you're going by the way of like Big Poppy or, or like Albert Pujols or, you know, where you're just, you're just there for the bat. We're not going to put you out in the outfield and expect you to make, you know, a freaking Willie Mays, amazing catch from behind yeah like we're not expecting you know historic baseball from you you know in into your latter 30s like and that's that's very there's very much not a knock on him that's just what it is time catches up on all of us so nobody's expecting it at that point but while you're still in your prime while you're still while the iron is still hot, especially regarding the Yankees and this rotation and all the holes that they have fixed, it is very much paramount that you make the most of this captaincy and get the city a damn ring. So, um, well, I guess I do have one thing. Yeah, uh, as I was saying, very paramount to get the city a ring. Um, so I guess my last, my last thing, and obviously if you have any other save rounds, by all means, go at it. Um, since we were saying that it is paramount for the Mets to make World Series appearances, it kind of leans the same with the Yankees. Obviously, we said before they do need to get over the hump and slay the giant that is the Astros. However, do you think we'll see a Subway Series? Maybe not this next year. I mean, could possibly be. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you to answer that. But overall, do you see a Subway Series between the Mets and the Yankees happening at any point in, like, say, the next three to five years it has to right the stars are aligning for new york perfectly i couldn't have said it better yes that's exactly what i was thinking the, it's the universe is lending itself the fact that we're gonna have the sub like it's gonna happen mm-hmm. it, there are too many Primed pieces because three to five years, I think, is a great timeline where we at least get one Yankees Mets World Series. Very, this is the best time for it. No better time than now. Both teams are primed. I mean, you look at their lineups stacked, it was always either or. Obviously, when the Mets went in 15, the Yankees were still re resurging off their 09 title you know they were still building back up and obviously judge was still a young up-and-comer at that point you know wasn't really in their system 
Same with, you know, you want to talk about Juan Carlos Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, all their premier plays that they have now were either not in the league or elsewhere. So, um, yeah, just like you, exactly how you said, the stars have not aligned any better than currently in order for this to happen. Like, like I said, that X, just the X meets Y and just perfectly aligned. There, there has to be at least one. I mean, the teams, ah, just kind of like how I said it, they're, at no point have both teams been so powerful, I guess, you know, for, for lack of a better word. There, there hasn't been a point where both teams have been. It'd be like if the Angels and Dodgers just met. It's the same deal. At no point have both teams been been around the same level as far as the power rankings, I don't, and I would love to see the power rankings. I would love to see that first, that first set when the season opens, but at no point has it been like, Oh yeah, they're kind of within the same neighborhood. It's always been either or. So uh, for the fact that the, the Mets and Yankees are so even within their own respective, okay, what they have, what they lack, whatever, just to be even within the same neighborhood. I mean, it, it lends itself. There's gotta be one, like you said, there has to be at least one, I'm I'm most excited for that. Uh, I feel like that. Even if you want to talk about narratives, how the league loves to go on narratives and the network, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a big thing. If it hasn't already, I haven't been much on the network the last couple of days because of work and stuff. I've just been kind of going home and enjoying time. You know, obviously this is the pre-crest Christmas episode as well. If you guys don't know, it is officially the 22nd. So, uh, Merry Christmas to you. We might get another episode in before the new year but um yeah i'm excited to see how the network starts talking about that leading into this year because it's it's going to be a point they're going to have to bring it up like you can't not look at both of these teams and think that the clash of the titans is eventually going to occur like it just has to even if you're talking about how i said before each team playing each other this year that's that series specifically i think you're going to see those prices go up for the tickets. I'm pretty sure that's going to draw on some crazy crowds. It makes sense. It should draw crazy crowds because it'll be a great matchup. And talk about that. Oh, potential world series. I mean, Hey, I'm like I said, I'm waiting for the networks to, to be all about it, but um, yeah, like I said, I have no other rounds. I mean, I have random stuff. Uh, is there any, any other point that you want to bring up? I got no save rounds here. Okay. I got some other quick little things I guess we can talk about real quick. I did see that Miggy is returning for one more season, so that's nice. Um, I don't know what the Tigers are going to do with that because obviously they've been quiet this uh, this offseason, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that's going to do for them. I mean, obviously one last ride. Um, he should go out with the bang. I don't doubt that. Obviously, he's already Mr. 3000, so I think it's more just to cement. I'm not saying stat padding in a negative way, but it's just, hey, you know, I still got more in the tank, so I'm just going to give it my all. So I'm excited just in that regard just to see whatever whatever he, he decides to do with this final year. Um, well, if you're Miggy, why stop? If you're still healthy, if you still have gas in the tank, don't stop playing just because you're old. Yeah. Just because you like you gave 
you gave us history this past season. I'd love for you to give me some more if you can. Yeah, if you got anything else, by all means, man. You know the people will show up. I mean, like I said, with Detroit not really having much much else to really show, hey, if you can bring your franchise, you know, face your face, your longstanding hero of, of your respective team, then why not? Why not give them one last send-off and, you know, let them right off to the sunset, you know, with that that high feeling of, of appreciation and love from the fans? Why not? Oh, yeah. And that's the thing is, no matter when, Mickey, you know, let's decide one more year after, whenever he decides to hang it up, uh, it's definitely going to be him riding off into the sunset in appreciation uh, from baseball one, but whatever fan base he's with, too, in respect that you're Miguel, like, we're going to put out for you. So, uh, no, no matter when or how, he chooses to step away. It'll definitely be a, a fond um, departure. Yeah, absolutely. Well-deserved, too. Definitely well-deserved. Um, let's see. I have just random, like I said, random stuff. Uh, one thing that, so I guess I will go off on this. One thing that I did see uh, regarding, I guess this kind of ties into free agency in, in, a, in a bit, but this was regarding the Oakland A's. So I'm just going to kind of go down the starting lineup. But the premise is the 2021 starting lineup basically is gone aside from Ramon Laureano. So the premise of basically what I'm reading this off is everybody that they had on the 2021 roster, or at least the starting starting lineup is gone, traded, whatever. So Start top to bottom. Catcher Sean Murphy traded. Obviously, we saw this past offseason. Matt Olson, first base, traded. Second, Josh Harrison. He left in free agency. Obviously, third base, Matt Chapman, traded as well. Uh, shortstop of Sandras was designated for assignment. Uh, left field, Starling Marte, obviously, left in free agency as well. Center fielder, Ramon, Ramon Laureano, still there. Uh, the right fielder, Marcana, left in free agency. And their DH, Chad Pender, also left in free agency. So think about in the span of basically a year, if you want to kind of move forward and say two years, you have nobody aside from, I guess Ramon Laureano would be your centerpiece regardless because he kind of was the only one that was producing for a hot minute. But that's your only piece that you have from max two years ago. What does that bode? Like, I, I, I don't want to get into, you know, screw it. I'll, I'll get into it. Cause I also have a thing about their damn, the, the stadium deal too, but that doesn't bode well. Like we've been saying this whole year regarding their stadium dealing like it just doesn't every time we go back to to them or regarding that it just doesn't it doesn't bring up good feelings like it doesn't it doesn't make me feel confident about them staying in Oakland or even if they do leave which fine do what you got to do but it doesn't 
give me confidence in what they're going to be trying to do, whether that's here or there. Like, it just doesn't, I'm not confident about the A's being competitive or even, it, it makes me feel like we're in for another hundred losses for the next two or three years. Like, you're going to leave and you're going to be a hundred, a hundred, two hundred, five loss team for the next three years before you either have to sell the team because the fans are basically not showing up again or somebody is just trying to be an angel investor and literally hey, I'll just buy the team from you because I'm tired of seeing this crap. Like, like I don't, I, and I have no dog in the fight. But. That's the best case scenario. If you are an A's fan, because they're the ones going to suffer the most over the next three, two or three seasons as they suffer 85 losses consistently because there has been so little desire by the front office to make moves of retention, of, of bringing in long, like injecting with new blood. None of this is occurring. And so because the front office is stagnating, everything else is going to stagnate. The, the players are going to lull. They're going to go into uh, slumps. The fans are going to start showing up uh, wearing bags like Detroit. You know, like it, it's not going to be good. And they're, the only people who lose out here are the fans. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even if you're talking about temporary one, two-year deals where you kind of, like you said, even just injecting something just to just to tread water, basically, you know, best analogy I could really put, just even just to tread water until you can kind of recoup and, and really make those big splashes and really start getting the longevity players that you want. There's been none of that. There's literally been just self-sabotage after self-sabotage after lack of action or inaction whatever however you want to say that like it just doesn't uh it doesn't bring confidence for that so i'm gonna read this uh, and i guess we can close out on that regarding the stadium i was kind of long-winded but uh as the years pass one constant and this is uh via ig ballparks on instagram so feel free to look this up look up this caption uh this was i took this about a week ago or so so as far as I know, this is roughly where, where everything's sitting. So as the years pass, one constant in MLB is the inability for the Oakland Athletics to get a new ballpark built literally anywhere. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred told Oakland officials last week that they have until January 2024 to get a ballpark deal finalized or the team will leave. Now, obviously, we knew him, the commissioner himself had said more than likely they're going to leave. So this kind of gives you an actual timeline, like they have a full year from now to get yes. something done or else the team will leave or he'll probably just approve it, you know, at least on his end to, to, for them to leave. So months ago, uh, Manfred said he was not optimistic a deal would get done in Oakland, which is what we had said. Uh, the A's have turned their attention to Las Vegas as a contingency plan in the event an Oakland deal fails, but talks with Las Vegas have gone nowhere. Again, like they're just basically uh, dead in the water regarding everything. You have kind of ownership. That's kind of just the team, the front office, just kind of, Again, that inaction, that lack of 
just forward progress. I mean, and again, that takes two to ten. I'm not going to say blame that too much on the A's, but again, if you're going to really be pushing that forward, then you're kind of leading. Like, you're not going to expect Vegas to be like how we said, you know, that, that one podcast, like, oh, yes, please, we're, you know, we need you so bad. Like, no, you're, for all intents and purposes, you're a crap team right now. You're not drawing in high attendance. So why would we spend the privatization of, of the funding? You know, obviously Vegas itself isn't going to pay for that. Like, no, we already have the Raiders. We already have the Knights. You know, we don't really need to pay or we don't really need you. We're certainly not going to pay for you to come here. Like, why would we go out of our way for that? So it just, it, it's kind of more, again, it's more on the front office to be leading that and to try to make the concessions in order long-term to make that, to make that a reality. So Vegas officials last month said no public money would be available for a potential ballpark for the A's uh, in quote or in parentheses, the A's hoped that they would get a similar to what Vegas gave the Raiders. So they were basically again, hoping, Oh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just give you a team. If you just pay for it, Vegas said, nah, you can go fuck off with that. You know, the Raiders already, and we're kind of seeing where that's going with the Raiders being abysmal as well. So they're not about to just double up and do that again to themselves, understandably, uh, which basically gives the A's no choice but to continue to attempt to focus on the ballpark proposal at Howard Terminal in Oakland that the team has been focusing on since 2018. We're about to be five years into this motherfucker. Five years into this bitch. Half a decade. And I get it. New ballparks take time. I mean, even renovations to current parks take time i get it but five years and you're basically exactly where you started you have no progress made on anything wow and they had so continue on before proposing howard terminal the a's have had seven ballpark proposals across the bay area fail this will be the sixth proposal in the city of oakland since 2001 proposals in nearby fremont and san jose have also failed so that's i believe I know San Jose South. I believe Fremont is also south of San Francisco. San Jose seemed to be the closest the A's would get, but were blocked by the Giants who own the territorial rights to San Jose. So kind of screwed them there as well. Obviously, across the Bay, Oakland is north of San Francisco. So I believe uh, they own south of that. So I guess it would be close. I guess it's um, obviously if you're familiar with Angels, you know, being in Anaheim and L.A., territorial rights, you know, uh, the county of Orange is basically right where I believe the 57 freeway is, if I'm not mistaken, which is basically right where the stadium is anyway. So it's within that limit. So if you're talking about county to county, they're basically right on that. So that would be the equivalent of that. Like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right outside the limit. If you start going into, you know, for anybody who's familiar with the area, if you start going north of Brea, if you start going towards La Habra, you start going towards Whittier, you start going towards Santa Fe Springs, the Downey area, nah, that's LA, bro. You need to get the hell back over. You, need to start, you start going back towards the 5 freeway or the 605 freeway, anything that's north of currently the Anaheim area, nah, that's our spot. You got you to gotta push back down south. So also getting kind of strong-armed by the Giants. So coincidentally, the A's gave the Giants those same territorial rights to San Jose for free in 1990 in hopes the Giants would build a new ballpark there, which in turn would give the A's more fans from San Francisco. So they kind of screwed themselves way back when, again, leading right back into 
the front office being inept and shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, Oakland will be getting a new mayor and several several new city council members in 2023. So it remains to be seen how they will handle the ongoing ballpark negotiations. Only thing we know for sure is their ballpark search is close to being settled. The A's have called the Oakland, yeah, the Oakland Coliseum home since 1968 and is the fifth oldest ballpark in MLB. So long-winded. I appreciate you guys listening for that. But yeah, that basically is a lot to unpack, which obviously I kind of started going into, but a lot to unpack as far as their uh, their troubles. It isn't just, oh, nobody wants us. Like, no, it seems like a lot of uh, ineptitude, a lot of self-sabotage, not only from this season, but you're talking about six proposals since, 20, since 2001, so last 20 years, seventh overall or whatever, getting a strong arm by the Giants. Uh, obviously, the environmental reports, you know, the judge uh, threw out I believe it was that lawsuit we were talking about. So, you know, legal trouble in general, even if, even if it worked out in, you know, eventually the Oakland, uh, Oakland A's favor, but still so many stumbling blocks, so many obstacles. I mean, what the hell? just i don't get it so uh like i said i really don't have a dog in the fight but just to especially to realize that it's been this long again like we said even early in the season i would love to hear from ace fans i mean that's you know north way north in my own state so i'm not really northern california is a whole different you know state as far as i'm concerned even being in socal but definitely American League side, like I'm not too familiar with the dealings, but I would love to hear from A's fans because especially now realizing that it's been this long of a struggle in general, and now this latest iteration is five years. I mean, I knew it was five years coming with this last one, but to be that far removed and no tangible progress, like, man, I can understand why they have bags on their heads. I can understand why nobody's showing up. It's it's insane. So what 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 do they do? Oh, I mean, I don't have the answer uh, because this is something that uh, if you haven't been able to get it done for the course of twenty years, I've been doing something right in their time. Okay. You know, you're just pussyfoot now. So yeah. yeah, I have no idea. That's ridiculous. It sounds to me like they just got to sell. Like I said, it's basically how I said before, you need that angel investors. Like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just taking us to Vegas. As much as it's going to hurt Oakland fans, I mean, I got to just, I got to just root because they're even staying. So I figured it was more just the funding. You know, they just didn't want to commit to the funding, but now it just seems like you, you kind of screwed yourself out of which would have been your best option was just to stay and start from the ground up and just revitalize the culture. And at least you have a dedicated fan base, even if it's going to take time for them to walk back in, at least you already kind of have a home base, but at this rate, you can't even stay. You can't even stay there. 
you've kind of screwed yourself out of that, even regardless of the Howard Terminal. Like it's, it's been a long, a long-standing screw job. So your best bet is just you might as well start fresh at this rate. So, but I am glad to see that there is a, a limit. It's not going to keep going on for much longer, especially with this new set of, of city council members and stuff coming in. I think we will get a more finalized ideal, you know, situation, whether that's, okay, you know what, screw it. We're just going to streamline and do Howard Terminal or, hey, nah, you guys can just leave. Like, either way, I think it's going to be streamlined and we're not going to really have to deal with this. I mean, it's not going to be any kind of uh, black eye as far as the league is concerned. I mean, it's more just going to be like a, not really a side note, but like, it's not going to really affect on the field for the, as far as the rest of the league is concerned, but it's definitely going to be a point of a newsworthy point when it does happen. But I think, yeah, the sooner, the sooner they pull the trigger on either way, the, the better it'll be for, for the A's overall, especially for such a long-standing franchise. That's just so rough. That's so rough. Really is. Man. Need to see it. Yep, absolutely. There's things things you hate to see. This. I said I have no dog in the fight, but I I can definitely, at least empathize with wanting to see your team, wanting to see your front office, have have the team's best interest, you know. But again, to see it have been so long standing multiple zeros in free agency letting your starting lineup a good you know decent serviceable lineup just go to the wayside and be pick you know just get pickpocketed left and right like no i just can't can't do it anymore and i'm not even a fan like i said i i i'm tired of it so how much more for ace fans so ace fans we feel for you we uh hope you have a better off season obviously you get the news that you want whatever side of the aisle you sit on, but um, yeah, that's about all I got though. I, I kind of wanted to get into that because I know that there's no real good time to to get into that. Um, but yeah, again, hope you guys have a good, happy, Merry Christmas. Um, like I said, I'm not sure if we'll have, have one more up before the new year. Hopefully we will. Uh, I'm sure there's more stuff to kind of come down the pipeline. Uh, when does, do they just keep doing free agency up until uh was it opening day or is it uh, pitchers and catchers or uh free agency i think can go right up until opening day i thought okay so could be a couple couple inklings here or there um so if anything happens i think like we said most of the major stuff has come down the pipe um so we'll probably have a i guess we'll technically this is part three so we may have a part four not too sure, but uh, I'm not really sure what we'll have for the next episode. We'll just, like I said, I got some random stuff we could probably delve into uh, next episode and just clean up whatever comes down the pipe. Um, yeah, I got no other, no other rounds if you got nothing. Okay, very well. Well, I wish you a Merry Christmas as well, sir. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and to all a good night. Right. <laughs> Ace fans. Sorry, Ace fans and Giants fans. Yeah, the Bay Area is hurting this this week. Sorry about it. Uh, okay. Yeah, right. So please get me a competent front office. Give me a new front office. It's like either that or a dragon. Like, oh, what kind of dragon do you want then? What what color dragon do you want? Oh, oh.
bro. Just ask for another team. Just ask for a different team. Just choose, just pick a different fan base, bro. Oh, that's tough. Okay. Enough shit talking. I'm sorry, Ace fans. It's just rough. Um, okay. It's all love. Yeah. It's all love. yeah, it's all love. I wish I wish the best for you, truly. That's just, <clears throat> you, you hate to see it. Um, yeah. Okay, then. Very well. I appreciate you guys listening, watching as always. Uh, appreciate the support again. Hope you guys have good a good holiday. Enjoy your extended weekend if you guys are you know on your extended weekends or your vacations or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I believe this is episode twenty eight. Crazy, we're above two dozen. Wow. Um, so yeah, I guess if this is twenty eight, twenty nine might be coming before the new year. And if not, you know, if not, then if not. But uh, yeah, appreciate you guys as always. And until then, stay tuned, right bags. Thank you.